and welcome to another edition of Daily in the Word. This is Rich Chassie. I am your host and teacher. We're glad that you're here today as we finish in John chapter 7. We have been making good progress through the Gospel of John these last couple of weeks, and we're glad that you're here for this. Today we look at a passage of Scripture where people are trying to decide, is this the Messiah? Is it not? What's the evidence? Where is he from? The hardening of the religious leaders there in Jerusalem. Remember, Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles there in Jerusalem. This is the portion that we're reading today. We're going to be looking at verses 25 through 52 of John chapter 7, and let's begin reading now. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, Isn't this the man that they are trying to kill? Here he is, speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Still many in the crowd believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and then I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come? On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not Scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants? And from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees, who asked them, Why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he has deceived you also? the Pharisees retorted. Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on him. 
Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. We see the people here unsure of who Jesus is. Could this really be the Messiah? And yet, they claim, we know where this man is from. They thought that he was Joseph's son, even though we know, hindsight, that he was not. We know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. They did not know that, or they were ignorant of that in some way, and only knew of Jesus as being from Nazareth, which is in Galilee. And so they knew that Messiah wouldn't be someone from Galilee, but yet that's where Jesus hailed from, and so they didn't put two and two together. They didn't understand where Jesus really was from. They didn't understand that Joseph wasn't his physical father, his father in the flesh, but in a sense, Joseph was his adopted father, that he was parented, if you will, by the Holy Spirit through Mary in a very much so miraculous way in what we call the incarnation, where God becomes man in the flesh, and so Jesus is the God-man. He is fully God and fully man all at the same time. And our finite minds, my mind, cannot fathom how that works. We can't figure out how that could have happened. It is certainly a miraculous event. And people who deny the virgin birth of Jesus, therefore, in consequence of denying that, therefore, deny the sinless nature of Jesus. It is because we are the sons and daughters of Adam, because we come from the seed of Adam. That is where we inherit the sinful nature by which we have no choice but to sin. We all choose to sin, but we've inherited that trait from our father, Adam. Jesus was not born of Adam. He was the the seed of Mary, which doesn't make sense. It is usually the man who carries the seed, but in Genesis chapter 3, there's the reference there to the, the seed of the woman, the seed of Mary, that Jesus is born, conceived of the Holy Spirit, and therefore does not inherit the sinful nature that the rest of us has, which, because he is both God and man, he was tempted as a man and yet not sinful. He he did not sin in any way while he was, or at any time, but during his ministry on the earth. Jesus is continuing to teach there in the temple courts in this week-long festival of tabernacles, and he says, listen, yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I'm not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. And because you don't know him, you don't know me. 
if they had recognized, well, this is the one who is performing these signs and miracles, of course he is, he is from God. Of course God has sent this, this one, this prophet, this Messiah. Could he be the one? And yet, because they didn't know the Father, they couldn't recognize the Son. In verse 32, the Pharisees are hearing the crowd whispering, and so they said, enough, and they sent the temple guards to arrest Jesus. In verse 33, Jesus said, I'm only with you for a short time. He had a three-year period of ministry on earth before he would go to the cross and then die on the cross and be buried and rise again from the dead and then ascend into heaven. I'm only with you for a short time. And then I'm going to the one who sent me. He's going back home. He's going back to heaven. You will look for me, but you will not find me, obviously, because he will have ascended back to the Father. And where I'm going or where I am, you cannot come. The Jews are are saying to each other now in verse 35, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? And they don't understand. Of course, we're able to today grasp this because of hindsight, because we have the Holy Spirit within us to teach us the truths that are contained in this. And so again, Jesus continues to teach there in the temple courts. And he says in verse 37, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. And John clarifies this and and says, By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, would come at a later date, after Jesus is glorified at the birth of the New Testament church in Acts chapter 2, with the sending of the Holy Spirit to us, And now those of us who are believers in Christ have that Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit dwelling within us. On hearing these words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet, the prophet spoken of by Moses that said there was one coming after me whose words you need to pay attention to and you need to follow, you need to be obedient to, or He's the Messiah, others were saying, and so they're they're getting close, they're starting to get it, and yet they're asking, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Doesn't the scripture say that Messiah will come from David's descendants? Yes, it did, and Jesus is, and that he would be from Bethlehem? Yes, it did, Micah 5, 2, and yes, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And either, again, they did not know this, or they did not uh, remember this, or were ignorant of it in some way. Again, they want to seize him. They want to arrest him, literally. But no one lays a hand on him. Verse 45, the text tells us that the temple guards, they go back to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and and they said, well, why didn't you bring him in? And they're like dumbfounded. No one no one ever spoke the way this man does. Even the enemies of Jesus recognized there was something unique. There was something special. There was no denying that this man 
came from God. And so they couldn't arrest him. Earlier, John makes it clear that it was not yet time for Jesus to be arrested, was not yet time for Jesus to go to the cross. This is why he's able to avoid arrest and so forth. So the Pharisees, they're mocking the guards. You mean he's deceived you also? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No, they hadn't. Perhaps there were some secret believers, but they didn't want to come out in the open. They didn't want to be openly mocked like this. And so they were kind of stayed back and hidden and quiet. And he says, verse 49, no, this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. They're like, ah, this man is is not from God and you're being deceived. And they were the ones who were the most deceived of all. And yet here they were mocking the common man. And oh, what a, what a hypocrisy that is. Now, Nicodemus, one of their number, one of the Pharisees, this is the same, this is the same fellow who came to Jesus in John chapter 3. And he says in verse 51, Nicodemus challenges his fellow Pharisees. Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? And yes, indeed, the law does say that before you can condemn someone, you must have a hearing first to find out what what he believes, what he's been saying, what he's been teaching, what he's been doing. Nicodemus is correctly applying the Old Testament law, and these religious leaders and, and fellow Pharisees are like, throw that out. We we don't want to pay attention to that now. We just need to arrest him. We just need to put him to death. But instead, they choose to mock Nicodemus, even though he's clearly, clearly correct. Are you from Galilee too? Oh, they just deride these supposed simpletons and ignorant people from Galilee. Look into it, they said, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. And of course, they too, ignorant of not knowing, if they had just asked, all they had to do was ask Jesus that he was born in Bethlehem, that he was of the line of the lineage of David, of that messianic, that kingly line. Jesus qualified. They just refused to look. So this text gives to us this ongoing struggle between the people and the religious leaders. Is this the Messiah? Is it not? You see the hardening of the Pharisees, them mocking the people, mocking Nicodemus. This is all coming to a head now. The closer we get, the more we we see this tension grow, and, and we'll see that in the coming days as we get into the next few chapters, this growing tension. And next time we'll see Jesus being confronted and being challenged, being cornered, being set up into a trap to try to get Jesus to make a decision one way or another. And we'll see how Jesus expertly and proficiently avoids that trap and makes them look silly in the process. And so I hope you'll join us next time for that. But in the meantime, let's close today in prayer. 
Lord, we thank you so much again for your word. We pray that you will open up our eyes to see that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. Our hearts need to be reminded over and over again these assurances that we have, it seems like, one after another. As the the gospel writer John just lays out this case for us that Jesus is our Messiah. And there's no doubt. And so we thank you for that reassurance. We thank you, Lord, that we have the, the this evidence that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And we have placed our trust in him and what he has done for us on the cross. And Lord, you love us so, and you've given us your word to strengthen our faith And Lord, we'd ask that you would do that. Strengthen our faith. Help us to see all the more clearly. Help us to be that much more of a witness to the people around us. We love you and we praise you and we ask you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you again for listening with us today on Daily in the Word. We pray that you have a great day and we pray that You'll be back with us again next time. We'll see you then.